You may be seated in his presence. Down from his glory, an ever-living story. My God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger, to his own a stranger. What condescension, God gracious splendor, laid aside his tender, stooping to woo, to win my lost soul. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. His love surrounds us like the air I breathe around us. It is as close as a heartbeat and as near as a prayer. I am grateful God is ubiquitous, for God is present everywhere. If that's the God who saved you, won't you open your mouth and give him Take note, take note. I did not say clap your hands. The Bible declares that New Testament praise must be verbal. People will never understand our tongues, but they'll understand when we tell God who he is. Will you open your mouth and bless the God that have saved you? Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for covering us with your blood. Thank you for putting the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Thank you for your holy word. Now give them a round of applause. You may be seated. You may be seated. The Bible declares that we're to make a joyful noise. There needs to be noise made when we come into church. Because when you go to a disco, what attracts people is the noise. What attracts people is the music. And when you come in here, you are signifying that your God is alive by how loud you speak to him. You open that voice joyfully and speak up to him. So your neighbor hear your praise. So the sinner hears your praise. And when you lift God up, great things will happen. We thank God for being here tonight. And then we thank God for the most uh, reverend, uh, his eminence, Prince of the Lord's Church, Bishop. Dr. Mark Vaughn, won't you listen, listen, listen. I've seen this all night. It's a little strange that when you go into a courtroom, we'll stand for a judge who has not been elected by God, but elected by the people. But in church, when you have a prince of the Lord's church, you should not let anybody give more honor to a secular person than you give to God's chosen person. So will all of us stand to our feet? Stand to our feet. Uh, somebody's sitting. All you got to do, give them a hand sign. Perhaps they didn't understand. And everybody should be. Everybody should be standing. Now put your hands together and bless God for the gifts that God has given to this ministry. Face to face ministry. Thank you. Thank you. And while you're standing to his precious wife. And then to all of the presenters that are going to be here tomorrow. You may be seated. It is, it is, it is so, so indicative of a visionary to put something like this together. Uh, to bring God's people closer to Him. And so we really, really honor this visionary and thank Him for bringing us down uh, to Brooklyn. It's been a long time since we've been here. Um, but the service was beautiful. Thank you, Kerwin. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed you. One tremendous, tremendous message. A message that is needed, and especially to our young people, one of the chief weapons that the devil used to attract young people is music. Uses music to attract um, young people, and definitely thank you. And then Another thing, parents, uh, it, what is imperative is that we start to teach our children in the home. We raged about prayer being taken out of school, but if you don't teach a child to pray in home, it'll do very little when the child gets to school. 
back to prayer in the home, back to reading of the Bible, back to teaching our children that there is somebody that we're trying to emulate. And we're not trying to be like Obama, and we definitely don't want to be like Ophir, but we want to be like Jesus. And we have to instill that message in our children at a very early age because while he was ministering, I was contemplating on what's happening in our educational system worldwide. Okay. And what is happening is we're living in a time of postmodernism. And postmodernism is a time where they say that God is dead or God is whoever you say God is. Have you heard of process theology? Process theology states that God is limited and he's becoming greater as he goes on. That is so asinine. Because if there's anything more powerful than God, then that is God. They're teaching that God is whoever you want him to be. And so that's why you will see the stars get on and try to make religion now equal. All right? Because postmodernism says God is whoever you say he is, not the God of the scriptures. And secondly, postmodernism teaches that there is no truth. And so you can take marriage now and say that marriage is, guess what, acceptable between two women and two men. Because there's no truth. The devil is a lie. The Bible said that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally it says that there's no God, no truth, and no reality. Reality is whatever you say it is. And so now everybody has an opinion. And the opinions of people are important, not the facts. So they're teaching that in school right now. Our children are being fed in their minds, inculcated in their spirits of a philosophy that they know not of. And if the home doesn't teach different, our youth, though they come to church, will be in a world of trouble. Let's go to the Word of God very briefly. You've had some great, great speakers here already. And uh, you have a great pastor and great uh, bishop, so you're not lacking preaching. Let's go to the Word of God. Father, bless this witness. Give precision of speech and clarity of thought. Pray that you would use me, God, for an oracle, that you may get your people closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We look at Hebrews chapter 12. Chapter 12, two verses, and we're finished. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, and the word of God is already blessed. Can you consider with me tonight from the topic, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. One of the things that I can share with you is that the amanuensis or the author of the book of Hebrews is anonymous. We're not certain who really wrote it. Although Many scholars state that it's the Apostle Paul. There's no conclusive evidence of who the author really is. Secondly, the book of Hebrews, there's ambiguity as to the date when it was written. We do know as we study the scriptures that it was written somewhere between 
A.D. 64 and A.D. 67 because the details inside this letter is alluding to the priesthood which is still taking place in Jerusalem and alludes to the temple. And the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. So the date is ambiguous. And then there is uncertainty of who it's written to. But one of the things that we do know is that at the time of this particular writing, the church was going through a severe conundrum, serious problem. The problem that the church was experiencing was that, number one, there was a emperor by the name of Nero who was a hater of Christianity, and he outlawed Christianity. Could you imagine living in a society where you could not serve the true and living God? If one, number one, tried to attend church, they were incarcerated. They were fed to wild lions and gladiators. So Christianity was outlawed. It is outlawed because Nero, the emperor, wants to be God. The Christians refuse to bow to him. Number two, Nero has burnt half of Rome and sat back on his fiddle while burnt and blamed the Christians. So Christianity is going through severe problems. Now, not only was Christianity outlawed, but they confiscated the property of Christians. They would not allow finances to come in so that the church could be supported. What a dilemma. One of the things that the church has to be careful of is that whenever there is persecution, we need to understand where it's coming from and what's behind it. First of all, if you look at it from the external, then you will see just something coming to crush you. But if you look at it from the internal, the Bible says anyone who desires to be godly must suffer persecution. It is the devil's job to, end, to inundate us with persecution so we walk away from where God brought us from. It is not they're taking Christians' property, but they wouldn't allow them to get jobs. And the biggest problem that's going on is the fact that, number one, that their leaders are dead. Have to be careful when leaders are not in place. Because the Bible said in the book of Judges, when there were no kings, then the people did that which was right in their own eyes. The devil knows how to take problems and causes them to discourage us. So somebody rose up and said, let's go back to Judaism. Isn't it interesting? You could not practice Christianity, but you were allowed to practice the Judaistic ways of living. And when the cry came out, to let's go back to number one, Judaism, then God intervenes and sends an amanuensis to write this particular letter to his people. There is never a time when the church goes through that God does not lift up his voice and speak. Is there a word from the Lord? The first thing that the writer wants to do, his purpose, is to inform the saints, don't go back to the inferior. 
when you possess the superior. Don't go back to the old covenant when God has established a new covenant. Now, if they go back to the old covenant, which was the law, the law would judge their works and point out that you couldn't live by it. Because the only purpose of the law was to draw us to Jesus. Purpose of the law was to condemn us until we came to the conclusion, I need a Savior in my life. The second uh, purpose of writing this particular letter is he wants to encourage, give exhortation to the church. Every time we come to church, we need to encourage one another. And so he starts out by letting them know, number one, if you go back to Judaism, you are not just going back to the inferior, you're missing out on Jesus. And Jesus is greater and better than the whole Judaic system. He is greater than Moses. He is greater than angels. He is greater than the prophet. His, uh, his exhortation was one of the things that you and I must do whenever there's trouble, you have to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Not only must we press towards the mark, but he says you have to hold fast to your profession. I don't care what you're going through. Hold on to your salvation. You have eternal salvation. You and I have not chosen Him, but He has chosen us. That we should bring forth fruit, and our fruit shall remain. So God is telling the church this night, hold to your profession. Secondly, he tells the church, now consider the, guess what, the apostle and high priest. That's good by itself. The encouragement was, whenever you and I get in trouble, look at the, the apostle, Jesus. Apostle comes from the Greek word apostolel, apostolos. And apostolos means one who is sent by another on behalf of another to get an assignment finished. Look at Jesus sent by his father to be a bow ideal to the church. Look at Jesus sent by his father to be an ambassador to show us what it is to go through persecution and not give up. He was not just the apostle, but Jesus was the great high priest. Look at him encouraging the church. In our praise, somebody should be saying, I thank you for being my great high priest. Now, now, now what are you saying when you talk about Jesus being your great high priest? Uh, first of all, when you study the Old Testament, when they brought the sacrifice to the priest. The priest never looked at the offerer. The offerer would come with the sacrifice and present the sacrifice to the priest. The priest would tell the offerer, take your hands, put it on the sacrifice, and we're transforming your sins to the sacrifice. The priest never looked again at the offerer. He kept his eyes on the sacrifice. When you come in and I come in here and understand that Jesus is the great high priest, the reason why you and I are in good standard with God, we are shrouded with the blood of Jesus. And every time God looks he does not look at you and I. He looks at the sacrifice. I'm so glad that he's looking at the sacrifice. 
I'm so glad that he's looking at the great high priest. When you shout, Jesus is the great high priest. You're literally declaring, he is my vocarious substitute. He took my place. He transformed, and not only transformed, but transferred what he had to me. He took my sins and gave me his holiness. So when I come in here, I've got to open up my mouth and let somebody know he took my sins away. He washed it away with his own blood. And now I am the righteousness of God because he took my unrighteousness and gave me his righteousness. He gave me his grace. It was unmerited. It was, guess what, unearned and undeserved. And wherever my sins were and yours, grace appears more. Somebody need to come in here and shout. He covered me with his blood, but he kept on supplying grace for my sin. Consider this Jesus because of who he is. He sat down at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for you and I. Do you know the ministry of this great high priest? Uh, his ministry is to pray for our human frailties. Uh, his ministry is to pray for our temperaments. Uh, his ministry is to pray for our maturity. Uh, and one of the things you and I need to know, uh, that when Jesus prays, uh, the best comes out of his prayer. Uh, right now, he's praying for you. Uh, and heaven is shouting, uh, hallelujah. Angels are shouting, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which is, which was, and which is to come. Therefore, when we come in here, we cannot be silent. We've got to open our mouths and thank Him for who He is. I want to hear when I go to church, you are the true and living God. I want to hear when I go to church, you are a healer. You're awesome, I heard it. You're almighty, I heard it. You're everlasting, I heard it. But sinners need to come in here and can easily identify who we're talking about. I'm not talking about the prince of the church. I am not talking about the pastor. I'm talking about the king of kings. When I come in here, I got to open my mouth and give him the fruit of my lips. It did not say a hand clap. It did not say stomping the feet or speaking in tongues. But Hebrew 13 and 5 said, give him the fruit of your lips. In other words, I want to tell him thank you. Thank you for where you brought me from. I want to tell him thank you. Thank you because I didn't get an aneurysm last night. Thank you. I was able to go to the bathroom and multiple sclerosis didn't stop my progress. Thank you. I escaped AIDS and HIV. Thank you. I'm in my right mind. Everybody needed to say something positive about your God. He didn't, uh, you sit down, we ain't nowhere yet. But he did not. Listen, just tell them that when you come in here, exalt him. But he said, I need you to go on to perfect. Whatever you're going through, you can make it if you stop looking at your situation and look at God's revelation. Why am I going through? Can I help you with a nugget? When you're going through, there's a great blessing awaiting. So bring on the hell. 
and bring on the affliction. Because I got a word for the devil. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us from them all. I come in here and I open my mouth and said it's just a matter of time before he brings me out. I'm not waiting until the battle is over, but I'm going to shout. And it doesn't mean dance with your feet, but it means open your mouth and say, I got the victory. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I've been washed with the blood. I've been redeemed. I'm chosen. Sit down for a minute, please. I'm going to the text and I'm sitting down. He tells them after telling them about exhortation, he moved them to warning. He says the first warning, don't drift away. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Whatever I'm going through, my salvation means more to me than what I'm going through. We've got a great salvation. Salvation is not a thing. Salvation is a person. And that person is Jesus. He picked you up. He pulled you out. He rescued you. So whatever you do, don't drift from the Word. You've got the Logos, the eternal Word. You have the Logos, divine expression. You have the Logos, the incarnated Word. You have the Logos, the spoken Word. You have the Logos, the written Word. You have the Logos, the creative Word. The Word is omnipotent. It'll make a way out of no way. I don't care what you're going through. You're coming out on top. You're coming out with victory. You're coming out with power. You're coming out with a smile. You're coming out with joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're more than a conqueror. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. That's why I shout. That's why I dance. No condemnation for them that are in Christ. Is there anybody here that's in Christ? Open your mouth and declare it. I'm in Christ. Sit down. Get me when I say I'm wrapping it up. When I say I'm about to conclude it. But listen. The second warning. Don't drift from the word. Because if we drift, we're neglecting a great salvation. The second warning. If you drift, the word will become You'll doubt the word. The word will become dull. The word now will have no effect. You that are staying home in the middle of a crisis, you're making a big mistake. He said, if there's any sick, don't go to the hospital first. And don't go to the doctor. But come to the elders of the church. They'll lay hands and pray the prayer of faith. If I'm sick, just get me to the church. If I'm sick, I know a doctor. 
doctor whose name is Jehovah Rapha but Lord God that healeth me if I'm in sin he's Jehovah Makidish but Lord God that sanctify if I mess up he's Jehovah that restore it if I mess up he's Jehovah Shalom he'll give me peace but if I can't remember any of the names I shout Jesus I shout Christos. It means help Jesus. It means deliver Lord. It means anoint me again. Give me power. I got to conclude now. He warns them. Don't drift. He warns them. Don't doubt. Don't let the word become jaded. Don't let it become dull. Every time I hear a word, I'm going to hold to it. He said, don't despise it. And don't defy it. Here's what I want you to do. Looking under Jesus. Come on now. Let's go home. Let's get out of here. But I'm looking under Jesus. Because we're in a race. It's a race for eternal life. It's a race for salvation. It's a race for Jesus. I'm looking under Jesus. Who is he? He's the author. That's who he is. He's the finisher of the faith. He came from a virgin birth. He was conceived without a man. The Holy Ghost impregnated Mary from the top to the bottom. What kind of pregnancy can take place from the top to the bottom? It's a miracle. He's supernatural. He's conceived by the Holy Ghost. He's Emmanuel. He's God in us and God with us and God for us in heaven he had a pre-existence he rested upon the bosom of his father without the aid of a woman but in humanity he rested upon the bosom of a woman without the aid of a father he's the alpha He's the Omega. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the seed of a woman. He's the Passover lamb. He's the great high priest. He's the cloud of pillar by day and a pillar of fire by night. He's the fulfiller of the law. He's the redeemer of the church. He's Lord. He's master. He's king. He's high. He's holy. He's different. He's king of every king. He is your God. Let's look to him. Look, look. The word looking and I'm finished. It says it, it literally declares look away from everything else and steadfastly look with intensity on Jesus. It means keep your attention without distraction. In other words, everything that's going on in the world is a distraction for the saint of the Most High God. He said, come out and be separate. Save the Lord. It said, have your eyes fixed on Jesus. 
put your mind fix on Jesus. He knows how to finish. He knows how to win. He knows how to come out like a champion. And everybody who's looking to Jesus, you're going to finish this race victorious. He finished it by going and looking at the joy. How do you look at joy when there's spikes in your hands and spikes in your feet and your back's been lacerated to the subcutaneous tissues are coming out. They're performed on your head, bringing 71 spots of blood. You're cramped up and can't breathe. Every sin of humanity is on you. They have every sickness that you can name. It's on Jesus at the same time. And yet, He's not focused on the outside. The cross, He turned it in to a pulpit. And the crowd, He made the church. And the seven last words became his sermon. But I like the part when he said it's finished. I got joy. It's finished. It's over. I'm victorious. Death can't stop me. Hell can't stop me. I got joy when I think about what the Lord has done for me and you. We're his body. We're the church. We're his extension. We're his eyes. We're his hands. We're his heart. We're his feet. We're going to tear the devil kingdom down. He didn't despise the shame. The Jewish law says perhaps if everyone that hangs on a tree but Jesus said joy the Greek said it's a stumbling block but Jesus said joy the joy of the Lord in my strength you got joy to get you through I got to stop but thank God for the cross the cross has everything we need the cross has holiness, has love, has peace, has joy, has help, has a word, has victory, has the blood. Every time I come in here, I want to throw up my hands and say thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Had it not been for the cross, where would we be? He forsook the shame and sat down and I'm finished at the right hand of the throne of God. Now watch this. There have been many high priests in the Old Testament. At least over 80. And thousands of priests and you never heard of a priest sitting down. A priest could not sit down because their work was never finished. But when Jesus beat the devil on his own turf, and you talking about, guess what? Uh, Telling the devil how much power he has. And Jesus beat him with his hands tied. Jesus beat him with his feet nailed. Jesus beat him without an army. You don't talk about 
the devil because the devil's under your feet. You don't even have to rebuke him. You can just resist him. His power has been divested, stripped. He is powerless. He's a roaring lion. He comes to deceive in the mind. But he is defeated. Jesus not just defeat the devil, but he won the victory over sin. Isn't it interesting that when you study the scripture, that nowhere did Jesus condemn sin. If any woman came in here and said, I committed adultery, face, face to face, eyes would look and disdain. Because that's her testimony. And Jesus took the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and said, go in peace and sin no more. Why? Why? He said, I'm going to deal with adultery. I'm going to put it on me, even though I've never committed adultery. I'm going to become adultery and give you power to turn your back on it and walk away. He goes to a grave. And there is now in hell the biggest disco party you could find. We've never lost a case. We missed two. We missed Enoch. And we missed Elijah. But any human being that have died, we have whipped them. And I close with this. On the third day, Jesus did something miraculous. About six o'clock, he took off grave clothes. Watch this. Took it off. And then he began to fold it neatly. And he places it down for the disciples to come in. Now every Jewish person understood what that meant. When a Jewish proprietor sat at a table, if he folded his napkin, he was telling the maid, I'm coming back again. Don't touch my food. Don't touch my plate. I'm coming back. Jesus, when he folded up his grave clothes, the earthquake was not to let Jesus out. He stepped out of a grave of rocks with a glorified body. The earthquake was to let the disciples in. And when they saw the grave clothes falling, they said, He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. I come to tell you, Jesus is coming back. defeats death. Then he becomes a reconciliator. He says, go get Peter. Go get your denier. Because I gave him word. Hey, get it, get it, get it. When you consider Jesus, never consider where you're at. Consider where you're going. When you consider Jesus, you are not successful by what you earn or accomplish. A PhD as well. But the devil has a Ph.D. So you walking around with a Ph.D. Don't get no swollen head. Because the devil has a Ph.D. He has a permanent head damage. <laughs> Jesus took his heel. You know the Bible. Just think of Genesis 3.15. I'm going to take my heel and put it on your head. He has a Ph.D. But listen, he goes to get Peter. And he said, 
Even though you denied me, I've told you to get behind me and rebuke you. I gave you a promise. You're going to open up salvation to the Jews. Now go meet me in Galilee. And the Bible says, if you consider Jesus, he meets them at Galilee, and some fell down and worshipped him, and others doubted. Don't ever be moved by what folks are doing. Because you and I can't worship if it has not been revealed. And then the Bible said he led them with his hands lifted up as far as Bethany. He has defeated the cross. He has defeated death. And then the Bible said he blessed them. Do you know tonight that Jesus is speaking well of you? Do you know Jesus could never again in your lifetime be angry at you? If Jesus ever gets mad at you, it's double indemnity. Because God took his anger out on him. So he could never be angry at us again in his life. Nothing could make God angry at you. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. He goes up and I finish. And when he's going up, Colossians says, he strips the devil of power. When you hear my name, when you hear my name, let the alcoholic come in and watch me deliver him. When you hear my name, let the person who's addicted with drugs come in. Watch me deliver. When you hear my name, Bring in the person with low self-esteem. Be careful, parents. We live in a society where worth is based on accomplishments. It's how you look. It's what you, what you accumulate in school. That's never God's way of worth. We were made in the image of God. Body, soul, and spirit. And so the devil gets an excruciating headache. Every time you call the name, consider Jesus. Consider him. When the children acting out, Jesus. When the husband ain't speaking right, Jesus. Demons get excited and got to back up. The devil already know he's defeated. So you can speak to human lives. May God bless you. It's been a great conference. Hope the Lord said something to you. Hope he said something. Now, I just want to just make an altar call. If you have line, Bishop, you, you can make it. I'm finished. My assignment is finished. I'm serious. Listen, listen, listen. Tonight, I want you to think about what's hindering you from getting close to him. Can I share one thing that we do as a people? And I just mean say people, no, no nationality, no color. Do you know our thoughts are too small when it comes to God? Do you know we limit God? Our thoughts are so small that you ask him for a house, but you won't ask him for a mansion. Our thoughts are so small that you'll ask him for a hoopty, but you won't ask him for a Rolls Royce. Do you see? Do you see? You don't even think you're worth it. And know what he's saying? You're not. I want to give it to you because I love you. I'm not giving you something because you're worth it. Because there's nothing you could bring to me that, guess what, that'll put you in status with him. Nothing. Now, you realize a big problem is even our faith, it's not your faith, it's your faith in Jesus. Okay, man, I don't have time to deal with that. Bring me back, I'll deal with that. When the boy was a lunatic, Jesus just come off the mount, he had just been transformed. In other words, Christians, you and I, folks need to see what's on the inside of us. 
Not our, not our idiosyncrasies, not our crazy personalities, not our crazy behavior. Thank God the blood is covering us. So God don't see all of that stuff. He's got us covered with the blood. The blood. But, the, but it's interesting now. Jesus tells the guy when he comes down because he wants to let the disciples off the hook. And that's another point. You could never get in trouble and Jesus is going to come and get you out and let you off the hook. Even when you get yourself in trouble. And, and, and so Jesus comes and all of a sudden when Jesus gets there, he says to the man, he says, if you can believe. Now listen, if the man's faith can do the work, then that's a work. If you read the thank you, Wendy. <laughs> that's family, that's all. That's what I said. That's family. That's family. If I said bush, it was a good one. <laughs> the original text in the Greek says, if you can believe that I have the faith to do the impossible, I'll do it. Well, now watch it, because it makes sense. When you read it, it's in St. Mark's. Uh, so, so Jesus says now to the man, he says, uh, if you can believe, I can have it. Now, if you take that for face value, then you're going to think all the men have to do is believe won't happen. The man's statement helps us with the text. I believe help my unbelief. Man, that's a dichotomy if I ever heard it. That's ambiguity if I ever heard it. In other words, I got some faith, but I don't have faith. Jesus said, how long has this been going on? Since he's been a child. And the child started to act out in front of Jesus. And guess what? Jesus took it off of the man and said, Come out from Never return again. Got up. Here's what God is saying. If you have faith in him, he can do the impossible. Stop bringing me small things. Stop bringing me a scholarship to Harvard. Rich people can do that. They pay their kids tuition. I not only want them to get a scholarship, I want them to complete. Whatever you're going through today, if you just get to this altar and put your faith in him, consider him. He is the prime example. See, we got away from this. The church has got away. So I've got to pray. My time is up. But we got away. The church want to be just like the world. So the world says, I want to be like Mike. And you want to be like Beyonce. And you want to be like Jay-Z. The only person that the church should try to be like is him. I want to love like him. I want to think like him. I want to feel like him. I want to act like him. So meek and humble. So meek and holy. Humble, righteous. Are you here today with any problem? Won't you come? Come on. Come on. Come on. Whatever it is. Just come. Just come. If he didn't say anything to you, stay there. Stay there. I guarantee at the end of the conference, you will go back the same way you came in. Do you realize people no longer come to the altar? Do you, do you hear the very word altar? The very word altar means I want to change. The very word altar means slay me in the spirit until you transform me. The, the, the very word altar, I'm tired of being arrogant. You know, you could be arrogant with nothing. I prophesy to you, if you put your faith in him, there is nothing. I mean, absolutely. He'll make a ministry triple. First of all, if you just set an atmosphere where folks come in and it's so, guess what, contagious that everybody's here in Jesus. It don't matter what pigmentation they are, Jesus draws. No matter what condition they're in, Jesus draws. He'll change. Young people, I think Corvan said something to you today. I think he said something to you. Going to college, going to school, 
your greatest problem is people wanting to be like everybody else. Not wanting to stand and be different. You will need Jesus to do that. Parents, we have to turn our homes back into, guess what? Altars. When I grew up, you could not, you could not leave home without praying. Six o'clock was Bible study. So the reason why the Bible is so foreign, it's not taught anymore in the home. We know all about hip-hop wives and basketball wives. But Jesus, the greatest name. I know I'm going to bow your heads. I prophesy to you, you're going back different. I prophesy to you, if you would just consider him. If you start asking him for monumental things, don't think small. Don't think small. He's a vast God. He's a great God. He separated our sins as far as the east is from the west so they can never catch up to us. He deserves our praise. Father, I thank you for the prince of this church and the pastor and all of the leaders. And they have come to gather these people to go and perfect their lives in you. And Father, my assignment was to declare you was to tell this conference that Jesus says, fix your minds and your hearts on him. Fix it. Looking unto Jesus. Fix it. Put in your mind, I'm going to finish, and I'm going to finish well. Put in your mind that today I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be like him. Put in your mind, I'm going to mature. My finances will change. My business will change. My family will change. My marriage will change. My children will change. My community will change. Because I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm following your example. You said that we're the light of the world. Let me be a beacon. Let my light shine. You said I'm the salt of the earth. Wherever I walk into... Let me bring flavor. Let me season the place up. Let folks know there's something different about me. I don't want a dolly on my head. I don't want to walk around with a big cross or a Bible. I want you to shine through me. I heal myself. Build my esteem. You're an esteem builder. Yes, you are. You told me if I just trust you, you show me. Guide this group of people. Draw them closer to you. And whatever oppositions are coming their way, let them know it's only because a great blessing is right around the corner. Don't allow anyone to not finish this race. The race is not given to the swift nor the battle to the strong. But him that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Thank you for the finances that you're going to send. Thank you for the expansion. I thank you for the angels that you placed around here that will draw men and women of all nationalities and all ethnicity into this house to learn about a God that is alive. You're not dead, but you're alive. Now, as we go back to our seats, we leave with this promise. Where sin abound, superabundant grace will overtake us. Get ready. Blessings are over going to take you. You're going to step out of one blessing and another's going to hit you before that one is over. You're going to step out of that one and another's going to hit you before it's over. Lord said he's going to bless that ministry. Lord said he's going to increase it. The Lord said he's going to do great and mighty things through you. Man of God. The Lord said. 
that this is your season where gifts are going to come from every direction. Where the load is going to get easier. Jesus said, you may go back to you. Hallelujah. Glory.